to the Acts of the Apostles. As many of you know, we preached last Sunday about a Pentecostal promise and referenced what happened on the day of Pentecost, and that was Pentecost Sunday. I want to read again from Acts chapter 2 and begin reading in verse 37 and take it as my text once again today and preach to you this thought. Pentecost, now what? Pentecost, now what? Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what? shall we do? And he explains to them in verse 38 what is required to be Pentecostal. He said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he said, as I preached, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We know that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that promise is for us. And when we experience Pentecost, then we must continue. Verse 40 says this, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. I want to tell you today with certainty that we live in an untoward generation and that it is essential for you and I who are Pentecostal and apostolic to save ourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So as I mentioned, I plan to preach today, Pentecost, now what? I wonder, would somebody just be thankful with me for the gift of the Holy Ghost? Would somebody just give God praise today for the Pentecostal experience? Somebody help me offer thanksgiving to the Lord for the fact that you have repented. You have been baptized in Jesus' name and He took your sins away. That He did give you that guarantee, the Holy Ghost. And when you received the Holy Ghost, you spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. His hand did reach further down than yours could reach up. He did set you free. Yeah, He set me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. Is there anybody thankful for Pentecost? Is there anybody thankful for that apostolic experience that is life changing and gives you the hope of heaven. Somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord and shout with the voice of victory. Thank you Jesus for the Holy Ghost. Thank you Jesus for the Pentecostal experience. Thank you Lord for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You can be seated if you like. You're Pentecostal so you can do whatever you want to do. You can speak in tongues or you can run the aisles or you can just do whatever you feel in worship because that's what happens when Pentecost happens. That's what happened that day that there suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Somebody might say, what's happening in the house? I'll tell you what's happening in the house. We're starting to understand that Pentecost Sunday is not one Sunday out of the year, but it's every Sunday when you're apostolic because when you have Pentecost, every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. We come and gather in one mind and one accord. We worship. And my, didn't that worship team do a great job today? That's powerful. Brother Marty, great singing today. Our worship has created an atmosphere where the Spirit moves. The Bible says the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now here's the sound thereof. It can't not tell whence it cometh, whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So it's like the wind just blows in. It's what just happened a few moments ago. When you start preaching Pentecost... It's only to be expected that people that are Pentecostal are going to react the way Pentecostal people react. And when you begin to worship and you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon you, that is to be expected. We should expect Pentecost to continue. So we find that this experience, this initial outpouring happens. They pour into the streets. People say, these people are drunk. How many of you know that if somebody came to our service for the first time and they saw the way some of us act, they'd say, what's wrong with these people? They're acting like they're drunk. Well, well, maybe they are. He did not deny the fact that they were drunk. He said, it's not the way you think. He said, these men aren't drunken as you suppose. They thought it was from tipping the bottle. But it was from being endued with power from on high. They were feeling the after effects of the outpouring. Has anybody ever felt the after effects of the outpouring? There's something powerful. What I love, I've never been drunk on anything but the Holy Ghost. So I don't know anything about a hangover, but I do know about the after effects of an outpouring. And you receive the power of the Holy Ghost and you are intoxicated on the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know something. It keeps getting better and better. I'm not hungover. I'm pumped up. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost, when it fills me, it just keeps overflowing. I want to get underneath the spout where the glory is being poured out and I want to soak up the Spirit today and say I am Pentecostal just as much this Sunday as I was last Sunday and will be next Sunday because the Pentecostal experience lives on day by day in me and you. In me and you. This happens and what happens when Pentecost really happens is people want to know what it is want to know what they can do to have what we have. I believe when people come to church, they ought to want what we have. We ought to make it on Sunday that when people come in and see us, they say, I want what they have. That means we cannot walk in, cross our arms, put a frown on our face and say, I can't believe that I didn't get what I needed from God. No, we need to walk in and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice to rejoice. And I choose today to say, 
Are there troubles? Are there trials? Yes. But I got a God that's going to see me through. I got a God that's going to take me the rest of the way. Oh, oh, somebody today needs to know that Pentecost doesn't stop last Sunday. If they want it, they get curious enough, they just may ask, what do we have to do? What do we need to do to get this? I was at a restaurant yesterday, one of my favorites. Know the chef on a first name basis. Whenever I send the order back, he comes out because he knows who it is that's ordering it. He made it. It was so good. He comes out and talks to me. He said, what are you going to do next? I said, I think I'm going to have another one of these. I said, man, this is just, this is just awesome. I was talking to him about it. We started talking a little bit about food. The table in front of me, they just, they just couldn't help themselves. You know what I'm saying? They got so nosy, they're like, turned around and said, I'm sorry for eavesdropping here, but what, what is that that you're having there? And tell me a little bit about why you're enjoying so much that, that dish that you're enjoying. And I, I started explaining to them that, I've been a lot of places, but I ain't never had shrimp, scallop, and grits like Alan can make shrimp, scallop, and grits at Little Black River Cafe. I'm feeling something right now. I started telling him how awesome it was and how wonderful it was. He said, now, he asked the question, he said, now, is that, does that have a little spice? You know, they might ask the question, do, do you all have a little spice? Is this a little too spicy? Is Pentecost just a little too spicy for me? Because, you know, I'm not used to the hot stuff. I pray that when people walk into this place, that they experience the fact that there are people everywhere that say, this is the best that can be had. I'm so thankful for the power of God. I just can't sit down. I can't sit down. Be quiet. I can't be quiet. I just can't help it. It's so powerful that I got to lift my hand, that I got to clap my hand. Some may run. Some may shout. Some may cry. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost, that Pentecostal experience... You know what I finally said? I finally said, you know what? You're just going to have to try it for yourself. Now, I have thought about offering some of mine, but some people in a restaurant setting like that, they get a little, I don't know about that. Try it for yourself. The experience is greater than the testimony. A woman that had a relationship that was failing, she was living with somebody that wasn't her husband, She'd been married five times. Jesus comes to her. She gets a revelation of who he is. She goes and tells the men of that city, come see a man which told me all things ever I did. It's not this, the Christ. The men come and they say, whoa. At first we came because of her testimony. Because we knew that she was changed. I want to tell you something. Friend, when you get the Holy Ghost, it changes who you are and who you were. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You become a witness. You say, no, 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 Pastor, you don't know me. I don't have to know you. I know that he said that when you get the Holy Ghost, you are empowered to be a witness. There's no fine print in that. That means you. She became a witness, but they became a recipient. And they said, well, we first believed because she told us about it, but now we've experienced it for ourselves. And no, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So 
What I'm telling you today is that when you have a desire, when you want to know more about this, you can. There is an ability for you to have what I'm preaching about on this Sunday. You say, you're kind of preaching like it's Pentecost Sunday. It is. No, that was last week. I know. It'll be next week and the next week because we are Pentecostal. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm Pentecostal. What shall we do? What do we have to do? What do we have to do to be like you? What do I have to do to be like you? And brethren, what shall we do? Repent. Somebody say repent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Every one of you means you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. Then what? Well, you're guaranteed the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise. That's a promise. Preached about that. I'm rehashing a little bit of what I preached last Sunday. For the promise is unto you, your children, all that are far off. Even all the way to Kenneth. It doesn't say that, but that's what it means. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's the promise for you. And then, in essence, he says, okay, we have Pentecost. We have Pentecost. We have this Pentecostal experience. Pastor, I believe, I believe in repentance. I believe in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I believe in the infinitely of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking with other tongues the Spirit gives the utterance. I believe in being Pentecostal. But now what? The Bible says that with many other words, with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, save yourself. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now, I don't want your roast burnt because if I began to tell you all the reasons why this is an untoward generation, we would be here for a long time. I think it's safe to say we live in an untoward generation. We live in a world that's not getting better, it's getting worse. We live in a world that is getting close to being as it was in the days of Noah. The thoughts of men were on evil continually. We live in a sin-sick generation. And I want to preach to you as passionately as I possibly can as your pastor and tell you, you must save yourself. I want you to know if you don't make it to heaven, it won't be because we don't preach the word of God. If you don't make it to heaven, it won't be because we don't have Sunday school and youth ministry and ladies ministry and men's ministry and recovery ministry. It won't be because we're not trying. But I want to tell you that if you're going to make it to heaven, it's going to be because you made up your mind that you are going to save yourself. And I want to tell you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you need to save yourself. The only hope these kids have is if somebody shows them the way that you got to save yourself. It's not up to the pastor. It's not up to the teacher. It's up to you, 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 and me. Look at your neighbor and say, save yourself. Save yourself. When the building's on fire, I don't look to somebody and say, hey, you mind to push the button? I want to get down to floor one. I don't wait for the elevator. I don't look around saying, you, you're not leaving? I smell the smoke. Oh, no, the fire ain't here yet. You can, you can do whatever you want to do, but you know what I'm going to do? When I hear the alarm and smell the smoke 
and see the fire, I'm headed out of the building. I am going to save myself. I want somebody to understand that if you can't see the fire, at least smell the smoke. Friend, this world is burning. This world is not getting better. I want to preach to you like I never have before. Please, whatever you do for you, for your family, save yourself. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. He says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And apparently, after a long-winded preacher, with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourself. I summed it up with save yourselves from this untoward generation. He had a lot of things to say, to say, save yourselves from the untoward generation. But do you know what their response was? The Bible says, then they that gladly received the word. Now you might not like everything I'm telling you today because you know what? Our flesh does not like when the Spirit starts prompting us to pray and to push away from the plate and to give and to do this and to do that. And our flesh is like, I don't want to do that. I want you to put your flesh in subjection and understand this, that you must save yourself from this untoward generation. There are things that you're going to have to do that make your flesh say, I don't want to do that. You say, I don't want to go to hell. Then they that gladly received the word. Went to the heart doctor this week. You know what he told me? Surprise, surprise. He said, you need to lose weight. You know what I did? I didn't argue with him because he was right. There are some times that people tell you things that are right that you don't want to hear. Is there, is there anybody that could just say amen? I'm going to tell you something, church. There are some things that we are doing that we don't need to be doing. And there are some things that we are not doing that we need to be doing. And I want you to understand that if ever there were an hour that we need to save ourselves from this untoward generation, this is that hour. Now, you may not like it, but you know what I did when he said you need to lose weight? I smiled and nodded like I know. Just like you're smiling and nodding now because you know what I'm telling you is true. But just because what I'm telling you is true doesn't mean it's easy. You say, yeah, Pastor, we heard you went ahead and ordered another order of that shrimp and grits. I sure did. And drank sweet tea because I don't think there is such a thing as tea that doesn't have more sugar than tea. I got a few people preaching. I want to tell you something. We are living in an hour that we must make up our mind that we have to save ourselves. We are living, I'm going to tell you, I remember a day then that, that back in the day when people needed the preacher to tell them what to do at every turn. I want you to understand something, friend. I can't be there every time you have to make a decision for you and for your family. But I can be there in your ear saying, you know better than to do this. And you know you shouldn't do that. And you know you need to do this. And you know you need to do that. You need to start doing this, 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 and that. Does anybody? Just smile. Just smile and nod and say, Pastor, you're right. We need to do it. But I want to tell you something, friend. The consequences of not doing it are 
brutal. I want somebody to understand that you can't go to hell and me be happy about it. I can't let you go to hell and smile and say, I tried to tell you no. I want to be up here beating the drum and say, whatever you do, save yourself. Young people, save yourself. Mom, dad, save yourself. Grandma, grandpa, save yourselves. Here's what I found. They that gladly received his word. You know what I believe that means? They that received his word with an intention of a response. Because you can nod your head, clap your hands, say preach pastor, preach. But if you don't do what the word says, I can't save you. If we were deciding today who goes to heaven, I'd say, I want them all. Everybody. I want you all. I want everybody here to go to heaven. I don't get to decide. You have to save yourself. Sister Lulabelle, if you're going to heaven, it's not because I want you to go to heaven. It's because you made a decision to go to heaven. To save yourself. Save yourself from this untoward generation. How do we do that? Well, you have to gladly receive the word. What does that mean, Pastor? You have to respond to the word. The Bible says, then they that gladly received the word were baptized. So what does that mean, Pastor? That means that he told them what they needed to do, and then they did it. Seems pretty simple. It's not. It's quite, it's quite complex, as a matter of fact. Because if it were simple, everybody would be doing it. You know, you go and you have a good day catching fish, and everybody says, I want to be a fisherman. No, you don't. You want to catch. There's a big difference in fishing and catching. There's a big difference between hunting and killing. Everybody wants to catch and kill. Nobody really wants to hunt or fish. Nobody really wants to go through all it takes in order to be successful. They just want to be successful. I want you to understand something. You don't get to go to heaven just because you want to go to heaven. You get to go to heaven because you do everything you can do to save yourself from this untoward generation. You're saying, boy, I liked it better when you were just preaching Pentecost. Pentecost, yes, I love Pentecost. But what now? There's more to it than just the initial outpouring. You have to save yourself from this untoward generation. In order to save yourself from the untoward generation, you have to do what the Word of God tells you to do. You have to do what the Word of God tells you to do. Then they that gladly received the Word were baptized. The Lord added to the church that day 3,000 souls. You look at the next verse, you're going to see that it says, and they continued steadfastly. Somebody say continue. Everybody say continue. Continue. They continued steadfastly. In order to continue, it has to be steadfast. You don't just decide I'm going to continue. You have to make a point to continue, and you have to work at continuing. Continuing requires work. Understand, W-O-R-K is what it's going to take for you to be saved. To save yourself from this untoward generation, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to work at it. Nobody lives for God easy. That's hard. But when you live for God hard, that's easy. You got to work at it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's work. But it's worth it. It's work, but it's worth it. You know, that's like deciding whether you want green beans or if you want green beans. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I can go pop open a can, dump it in there, throw a little of that margarine in there, shake a little salt and pepper and say, I got you some green beans. Or I can fry me some bacon. I feel something coming on right now. Mm. Does anybody hear what I'm talking about? 
Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm not preaching about green beans today. I'm preaching about you making it to heaven. And I want you to know that you can't, I want you to know, you're not going to heaven unless you work at it. And it's going to take some effort for you and for your family. You're going to have to say no every once in a while. You're going to have to say yes every once in a while. You're going to have to do some things that you don't want to do. But it's worth it. Tell your neighbor it's worth, but it's worth it. They continued steadfastly, going house to house, breaking bread, praying. Talk about that, Pastor. They continued steadfastly, going house to house, breaking bread, praying. What that tells me is they understood that Pentecost was not sufficient in its initial form. In just simply the outpouring, it required continuing after the connection. Man, I'm preaching right now. I don't know if you all know this. Has anybody heard in the last couple of months me say that we believe at First Church that if we will make a connection and we will continue, we'll have something to celebrate. Anybody ever, have you ever heard me say that in my great announcer voice? Well, I want you to understand something. It's more than just me talking to you about what sounds good or looks good on paper and, and makes good print. No, I want you to understand we really believe that this is an apostolic connection, that this is an apostolic connection, and that with an apostolic connection, if we will continue, that we will have something to celebrate. Hey, I'm excited about 100 people being at recovery, but I want to see 100 people at church on Sunday coming to an altar, being baptized in Jesus' name, lifting their hands, getting the Holy Ghost, and saying, I want to be a part of First Church. Connection is important, but connection without continuance is frustration. Connect, 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 connect. If all we do is connect but don't continue, there's nothing to celebrate. As a matter of fact, it's a tragedy. You know what I feel the Lord impressing upon me? I feel the Lord impress upon me that the fact that we cannot have what we want unless we do what He says. Now hear what I'm telling you today. This is important to get this. Pentecost, what now? What do we do now? Here's what I believe. If my people, hear what the Spirit's saying. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, Turn from their wicked ways. I want you to hear what I'm preaching to you. We're going to have to walk away from some things and we're going to have to get a closet of prayer and start seeking the face of God. If we do not pray, it will not work. Sister McMillan, my God, keep having 9 o'clock in the morning prayer on Wednesday. We've got to do it. You need to come early to pray. You need to get here. I had somebody say, can I go to the church and pray? Yes, a thousand times. Yes, take everybody with you. We must pray in order to see the day of Pentecost. Pentecost at first church the way he wants it. Now you say, well, you were doing good. Talk about them green beans again. I'm going to tell you something. God has some great things in store for first church. There are prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled, but they will. But prophecies are not fulfilled without work being done. I'm talking to you, young men. I'm talking to you, young ladies. I'm talking to all of us. We have to do some things we don't want to do, and we got to quit doing some things we want to do. Now, see, you say, oh, that's easy to say. Yeah, would you rather me just get right down and tell you what I'm talking about? No, you need to know what I'm talking about. You understand. I don't have to tell you. You know. It's different from person to person. What are you talking about? It's different the things that you have to stop doing than what your neighbor has to stop doing. It's different the things that you need to start doing than what your neighbor has to start doing. Save yourselves. See, it's so individual. Oh, well, I I thought they were all together in one accord. They were. 
all together in one accord. And you need to get in this one accord. I got to save myself from this untoward generation. So I got to do whatever I need to do. I mean, so I need to hear the word and then respond to the word. And then I need to be a part of connection and continuance. Everybody wants to be a part of celebrate. Now I know we had Sister Sheila come up. She told the yellow team won. They went from last place to first place. God bless them. You know why? Because I watched them. They were willing to do whatever it took. Matter of fact, I had one of them tell me that one of their buddies said, at 5.30 in the morning, are you kidding me? After they went to bed at probably 2 or 3. 5.30 in the morning, my buddy said, hey, let's go look for that last clue. Are you kidding? At 5.30 in the morning. They wanted to win. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for one of their buddies to say, hey, let's go to, at 5.30 in the morning, let's go to the church and pray. Let's go to the church and pray before school. Let's go to the church and pray before work. Let's go there and let's do this and let's witness and let's go to outreach. And what do you say? We do this. And I'm not just talking about the young people. I'm talking about everybody. Do we really want the revival? Do we really want what Pentecost says we can have? Pentecost, what now? What now? Do what he tells you to do. Connect, continue, we'll celebrate. House to house, breaking bread, praying. And they continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly. Stand with me. Pentecost, what now? Not bad, it's 1159. Pentecost, what now? Those green beans won't even be done when you get home. Pentecost, what now? What now is we must, we must, we must save ourselves from this untoward generation. I flew four times in the last week and every plane that I got on, they went through the list of things that you have to do if there's a disaster. I'm going to be transparent right now. I'm going to tell you, I, I, four flights, Sister McMillan, I didn't listen to it one time. Not, I, I, I'm, I'm just being transparent. I did not listen one time. You know why? Because I didn't ever feel like there was going to be a disaster. I planned on plane going up, plane going down in a normal fashion. Getting off, going, getting on the next plane, plane going up, plane going down, normal fashion. Plane go up, plane go down, get off, go get on another one. Plane go up, plane go down. Brother Will, I, I, I didn't anticipate there was going to be a disaster. You know when it hit me that I probably should have paid attention? It was when that one, that one time it went boom like that and I just almost spilled my soda. What a disaster that would have been, you know? I mean, just started thinking maybe I, maybe I should have paid attention where that flotation device was. Maybe I should have paid attention to where they said a mask was going to... Where is that mask coming from and what do I do once the mask falls? Why? Because when disaster strikes, we then want to do what we're supposed to do. Quick news flash. The world that we are living in is experiencing severe turbulence. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? The world, hear what I'm telling you right now as a church. The world that we are living in is experiencing severe turbulence. I'm not just talking about $5 a gallon gasoline. It's much worse than that. Now is the time for you to pay particular attention to what you need to do in the middle of a crisis. And what you need to do in the middle of the crisis. Pentecost? What now? I want to know, what do I have to do after? What do I need to do? And what do I need to do to be saved? Save yourself. I do know because I've heard it enough. When the oxygen mask drops, you put it on you. Then you can help other people. I'm preaching to you, church. I'm preaching to you, first church. You help you. 
Do you know how many people? Do you know how many people that are missing today? People that aren't sitting on pews in this sanctuary today that never dreamed there would be a Sunday like this Sunday where I'm pleading with them to be aware of the time and they're not here. They never dreamed. Severe turbulence. Understand. It's time to take action and understand the important thing is to save yourself because if you don't save yourself, how can you save someone else? I have people tell me, I want to see my family saved. I want to see this. you got to save yourself. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. It's such a desperate time that I believe it's incumbent upon me as your pastor to tell you we live in a world that isn't getting better, it's only getting worse and you don't have time to play games with God. Hear what I'm preaching to you on this Sunday. You don't have time to play games with God. Your family cannot afford for you to make bad choices. Your family cannot afford for you to make decisions that are not in compliance with biblical principles. Hear what I'm preaching. I'm preaching to you today as best I can trying to convince you that we live at a critical junction. We live... We live on the brink, on the cusp of crisis so severe that only a Savior can save. What do we do now? We must save ourselves from this untoward generation. How do we save ourselves from this untoward generation? We hear the word, we respond to the word, we do what the word tells us to do. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I say thank you to each of you that have been so attentive and focused because the truth of the matter is the adversary the adversary is doing his best not to convince people that there isn't a need for God but to distract them to the place what they don't know is that the distraction is leading them away at the most inopportune moment in their lives. It's happened to so many. I don't want it to happen to you. I desire that every one of you and your families are saved. I want to tell you today, the only way you can save yourself and your family is to hear the word, believe the word, respond to the word, live in the word. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you would just simply say, Pastor, I need help. I need help today. I want to do what you're telling me to do. God bless that hand and that hand and others. There are many that are lifting their hands. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear what I'm telling you right now. They're going to begin to sing and play. And when they do, I'm going to ask you, would you just step out? As a matter of fact, why don't you just do it right now? Everybody that will, just step out from where you are. Walk to the front of this building and find the help and the hope that you have need of. I'll tell you what you do after Pentecost. You continue. You continue. There's a connection that's made. You must continue and then you'll have something to celebrate. Your family will be saved. You're going to make it to heaven. Your family's going to make it to heaven. What else is there, friend? I tell you now. Come and find at this altar the hope that you need. As they sing, I ask you to come and pray today and let the God of glory, the hope of heaven, be your help in Jesus' name.